So hello and welcome to Dairy Matters, a podcast about Irish dairy farming, how it happens, uh, why it's important to Ireland Inc. And of course, most importantly, about the people who make it happen. Dairy is under the spotlight right now. Uh, Ireland's Climate Action Bill and the rush to climate neutrality by 2050 uh, is likely to have some serious repercussions for what is, in effect, Ireland's national treasure. Uh, dairy farming is something that's been taking place here for 4,000 years, something that employs 60,000 people and something that delivers 5.2 billion euro to the Irish economy every year. This podcast is brought to you by the National Dairy Council. I'm Jeremy Probert, uh, and with me today are this year's Kerrygold and National Dairy Council Quality Milk Award winners, the McCarthy family from FINA in County Limerick. Uh, so, Michael, Mary, Alex, welcome. Can I start by congratulating you on being the Kerrygold NDC Quality Milk Award winners for 2021? Uh, it's a real achievement. Michael, how did you feel when you knew you'd won it? Uh, first reaction was just a sheer shock, followed by, I suppose, absolute delight, really. And I suppose we come from a small rural part of uh, West Limerick. And like it's wonderful for the parish. And even coming back home, the amount of phone calls, texts, people writing notes, people dropping notes in the door. It brought home the enormity of the win to us. Uh, I mean, it's an all-Ireland, I presume you can call it that, among daily farming. It's an honour, really. It's a beautiful honour, yeah. Alex, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. What do you think it is that makes your farm a Quality Milk Award winner? What do you do that's so great? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I suppose uh, here at the moment, like we're lucky, we have a blend of old, uh, the, the older generation and, and the new generation. Like, so I suppose uh, there's experience and uh, ideas coming from both sides. You know, like everything from the computer side of it to the, to the old-fashioned, just element husbandry, everything like that. It all comes, uh, comes together to the perfect combination, I suppose. You were nominated by your co-op. Is this the first time you've been nominated? Yes, we were nominated again in 2015 uh, by Kerry Co-op. And I suppose it was quite a shock to us again when uh, they arrived in the month of June, I think it was, and they wanted us to go forward again and put our name forward. And we just, I thought they were joking, I thought they were, but obviously they said we were ticking a lot of the boxes and basically they wouldn't take no for an answer. You say that you ticked a lot of the boxes. What boxes are those? I suppose farming has changed, Jeremy, and like, I mean, the milk quality is the entry farm, really. I mean, there's a lot of people there with very high quality milk that could go forward for the world. I suppose we have been kind of um, always kind of future uh, looking on the farm as to what maybe will be the situation five or ten years down the road. So that entails a lot of the new thinking and Alex is beginning to the clover research and the grass side of it. I suppose I was beginning to the uh, less use of antibiotics and we, we use very, very little antibiotics, antibiotics on the farm now. Plus you have to, um, I suppose, grass measurement, which is you need to know what you're growing, what you can feed. Animal welfare is a big issue, having plenty of cubicle space, having loads of feed space, so the cows are comfortable and um, are well looked after. And I suppose, the, like when you do that, you obviously get a, a return. And, the, and there's economical side as well, like it has to be sustainable economically as well. So we were involved in a lot of that, and we we're planting ditches and things like that, plant, replanting hedges. And so I suppose we were doing a good bit, Jeremy, under the, the radar. You've just there described all the excellent practices that the Irish dairy farming community 
are employing to a greater or lesser extent in order to become more sustainable. Uh, I know before we started recording this, you told me you'd also won an environmental, an environmental award as well. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's correct, Jeremy. I mean, I suppose we took a decision about three years ago that we were going to uh, look. I mean, we love working with nature and farming. And once you kind of learn the, the skills of that and you know what you have to do and where you need to go, I suppose we said over five years we were trying to replant a lot of the hedgerows and create corridors for birds and for bees. And uh, and even we're only two years into it, like, but whether it's um, our imagination or not, but we see a vast improvement now in bird life and uh, insect life within the farm and within the hedgerows. That's about it, Jeremy, really. It's not a big deal. Like. I beg to differ, Michael. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a massive deal. Uh, but you've talked there about biodiversity. <clears throat> and one of the one of the big things that has been factored into the Climate Action Bill is that um, they're taking into account of carbon sequestration, which, of course, is the amount of carbon dioxide from other people's emissions that is sucked up by pasture, but by hedgerows. And it sounds like you're doing as much, if not more than most, to continue that process. I, I just want to talk to Alex briefly. Um, you said Alex is into clover. Tell us a bit about that, Alex. I suppose with the last few years, we've started um working on clover and farm, yeah, just getting it established in um, in new seeds and maybe getting it established in existing swords. Like, and uh, the idea of clover, like, is then is to, um, I suppose, once it gets established and, and gets um, matures, it can actually fix nitrogen back into the ground. Like, it's what, uh, what we plan to do. It's all, uh, like, and the whole idea of fixing its own nitrogen means you, you have to spread less chemical nitrogen. And so, um, we're starting off on that journey, yeah, and uh, like at the moment, it's an interesting journey. Um, I suppose t- another two or three years down the road, we'll see the real benefits of it as more and more becomes uh, established on the farm. So it's early in our clover, but it's it's looking promising anyway. So cows eat the grass. Are they happy with clover, or do they prefer grass? Uh, the actual fact of the matter is that they will eat the clover before they will eat the grass if it's... Uh, if it's not managed properly. So they actually put the, the clover is much sweeter. There is a bit of management in clover, and, and those are the skill sets we have to learn, I suppose, as we go along, that you can't leave cows into a full field of clover uh, because you, you, you risk blows or you like you risk animal welfare, really. Like So you, it has to be managed. Like It's not it's not simple as A, B, and C. We joined the signpost farming well, about two years ago. Now, it was delayed due to COVID, so it's only really starting to open go for this year. So, and this is what the signpost, as it says, is probably a signpost to see where we need to get to. And it's probably over a five-year plan, you know, but COVID is a big part of it. So this this is an interesting, this is an interesting point. It, it strikes me that an awful lot of people think that improvements to farming, particularly when it comes to the environment, can be achieved overnight in the next six months, in the next year. But what you've just said is, particularly with the clover thing, we're looking at a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, perhaps? Oh, yeah. And like, even when you get, I suppose, in tries and more part, they're open. Once we get to 25 to 30% clover all over the farm, then uh, you can really fix nitrogen up to about equivalent about 150 units of nitrogen per hectare per year, which is nearly halving your your nitrogen requirements. 
But having said that, then the clover needs to be managed either to let it be lost or to let it take over control completely. So there's another skill set to be managed there. Like, how do we manage that on a full-time basis? You know, and I suppose we're all learning. We're all learning the curve at the moment. It's fascinating. You talk a lot about new skill sets. And obviously, we're all learning new stuff all the time. But that's the future, isn't it? Learning new skill sets and managing things to minimise emissions and to make it fit for the future. Correct, Jeremy. I suppose, yeah, as you said before, some people have a simplistic approach to this it, it, uh, this issue. Like, And farming is a tricky business. You can grow, go broke very easily in farming, like, <laughs> if you're not careful. Like, it needs to be economical and it needs to be sustainable. We'll come back to this because this is genuinely fascinating. But, uh, Michael, can I, can I ask you, how long have you been in farming and have you always been on the farm you're on now? No, I came home farming in 1975, I believe it, after a year in college and we did some courses. I was lucky, I suppose, I probably was the first to maybe that we actually got an, ed- an education in farming. And uh, I suppose I spent a year in Paris, Kenry, at the Culture College, which I enjoyed thoroughly. And I think that's where I got my appetite for new ideas and looking forward and uh, the science of farming. I, it always fascinated me, the breeding side of it, the science part of it and you know I probably would have done egg science if I wasn't farming but um, I was the middle of uh, eight siblings I had one older brother which I kicked out and uh, taught him go away so I always wanted to be a farmer Jeremy I always wanted I loved I loved the land I loved the farming so I'm farming about 46 I think is it yes if I'm correct so my maths are correct and the question were your parents farmers Oh, absolutely, yeah. Alex is the sixth generation. We were the fifth. So it's always been a dear farm, yeah. That's brilliant. So uh, he's got he's got six generations of shoes to fill. You must be feeling a bit nervous, Alex. Yeah, big shoes to fill, yeah. It's uh, it's getting harder and harder to find improvements in the farm. <laughs> Everything is being done. The standard is getting higher and higher and higher. So for me, I'll have, uh, I'll have a job to, to raise the bar more. That's actually it's an interesting question, which brings me on to uh, a slightly more serious topic, I suppose, which is we've got a finger being pointed at farming in terms of emissions and the rest of it. What do you think the industry is going to have to do? What other changes do you see coming over the next five to 10 years in order for us to be able to continue to be a dairy producing nation? That's a uh, that's a big question. Yeah, that is worldwide. I think it's a worldwide question, um, and we as dairy farmers individually can only do our little bit as to uh, based on knowledge and based on science. As was, uh, we all need to educate ourselves more. Definitely, unfortunately, governments and lobby groups and environmentalists, and I suppose uh, that's the sad part. But they're going to decide probably issues that are maybe um, side issues for the climate, probably side issue for them, but it will, I'm probably talking about animal rights and, and animal welfare groups who probably will never be satisfied anyhow. So can uh, it's just, yeah, you, you've caught me in that question. I'm probably not fully qualified to answer all those, that kind of question, but... Uh, I put you on the spot there, Michael. I I, I know, but the, the, I think it, it it is important, and I think I think what you've said is 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 absolutely right. 
Uh, what I was interested in was you said, and rightly you said, it, it, it's a worldwide question. And I was I was listening to somebody on the radio on Saturday morning. He said on the question of carbon leakage, i.e., if we take dairy abroad, then emissions will increase somewhere else in another country. Uh, he was asked about it, and he said, "It's not of concern to us what happens in other countries." Do you think that's a valid point of view? Absolutely not, Jeremy. I mean, it is a concern. I mean, you take America. If you want to quote figures, two percent of their emissions are coming from agriculture. America and Ireland are no comparison when it comes to producing food uh, and the rate of emissions. I mean, do we decide to cut our head and let the Americans increase? It makes it's a no-brainer. Like, I mean, even for America to cut emissions by 0.1 or two percent would mean much, much more for the globe than Ireland cutting its emissions, agricultural emissions by 20%. And that's probably a silly comparison because it's probably much more. And food can has to be produced under the least possible carbon efficiency. We all know that. And that's what we, that's what we are trying to do on the farm. That's what we're trying to absorb the carbon as through our hedgerows, through our trees, through our management, and produce as least as possible, produce the, the best possible quality food. So tell me, what what is the what's the best part of living and working on a farm? What what makes you get out of bed in the morning, apart from the cows, obviously? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, my wife said, because you're kicked out. Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Look, I've always loved the job, and I suppose it was brilliant that Mary and myself, but we farmed together. We made our decisions together, we walked together, we lived together, as I say, and we have our cups of coffee in the morning, 11, 11 o'clock break, when she's not there, like, and if she's not, I don't come in for it, but um, no, it, we've been lucky, we've been lucky, like, uh, in, in our farming life. Um, we've had a few ups and downs, don't worry, everybody, every farmer has, but by and large, it's a job, I, I, look, I, I, it was never, never a chore. Alex, tell me, what's the worst bit? What, if, if there's one thing that you wish you never had to do again, what would that be? Obviously, Jeremiah, obviously he stuck for an answer. <laughs> and look, um, I suppose, the, look, for me, personally speaking, I'd answer that question. I suppose the uncertainty at times, it can be the, the financial side of it. It can be when prices are poor, I suppose. And like we all want to pay bills. We all want to make a living. We all want to have a reasonable life. So we don't want to make, we're not going to wish to be millionaires out of it. Like, I mean, it's it's something that you'll farm the land while you're there and you'll possibly try and hand it on again to the next generation better than what you got it before you. And I suppose that's basically, that's life the farmers kind of live uh, from generation to generation in this country. It's not every country. Like some people buy and sell their land. We tend not to in this country. Like, I mean, there's a connection to it. You know, what's the worst bit? He's got to answer. I'm trying to remember what I suppose you ask what's the worst bit about farming, I suppose. Me being a young farmer, getting going, like I suppose, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty with climate change and all the, the the bad stories or the made up stories or even, you know, 
obviously we all want to make a life out of it, but you just things are changing fast. We have to try and adapt to to, to most of the changes. Like, but that's it. Some of those changes are being made by people that maybe are have different agendas or whatever. Like, so just I suppose just the just the just, just how quickly things are changing really really is what would be a bit daunting. I asked that question of uh, somebody else uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the answer I got was, the worst part of my job is fencing. Is 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 there a specific job that you really don't like? Cleaning leaves out of all the shoots in the farm in the autumn time. We have a lot of trees, and they clog and clog and clog for about six weeks. So, yeah, that, that's one of my bad ones, I suppose, Jeremy. But other than that, like, you can't let dirty work water, you like, but I suppose, yeah, now as you think of it, autumn is coming, shoots are going to clog left, right, and center, I suppose. <laughs> and we need the trees more than ever now, so the trees have to stay, so... Um, Michael, is there is is there one particular part of the job, whether it's cleaning leaves out of, you know, blockages, or is it you know, fencing, or or going going out in the midwinter when it's cold? Uh, no, gentlemen. I suppose sometimes you have to deal with very sick animals, and that that's probably not a nice part of it. Animals get sick if they if they get an injury. That's not nice. Like that's not a nice part of farming. Like I mean, the, it can be. No, they have the hat strings a bit. But um, other than that, no, Jeremy, I wouldn't. Look, as I said, I, I love my job. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be in it otherwise, you know, and I look forward now that Alex is taking over to be more of a supporting role from here on in, like not, not being the main decision maker or anything like that. You obviously got a connection to your cows. They're quite clearly not just numbers on legs, are they? Oh, God, no, no, Jeremy, no, no, and they often joke with me here, like, I'd recognise one of my own cows from 300 yards, like, because she walks up and she holds her head up and she swings her head somewhere sideways that the other cow wouldn't do, or they're different colours, and, you know, but that's, look, that's the way, I suppose, if you love animals, you will always know, and you'll know the ones that don't like you so much and you don't like them as much and more of them than you just hate when they go when their time is up in the farm you hate part of them as a, you know we've often kept a pet maybe once a year or two longer because I was having a hat to just let her go <laughs> you know it can happen <laughs> nothing to economics obviously there is a feeling that dairy farming is somewhat misunderstood or possibly taken for granted. And I think there's a feeling that people don't necessarily, when I say people, I mean the consumers of dairy products don't necessarily make the connection between what they're eating or drinking and how it's produced. So if, if you had to sort of provide a message on behalf of dairy farming, what, what would that be? Particularly in today, when we're talking about climate change, when we're talking about sustainability, what's your message? I suppose, Jeremy, the only message really from our point of view we can portray out there like that we are first and foremost conscious we're producing a, 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 a human food product, you know, and you go out in the morning like and you want to produce the best possible taste or the best possible product or the best possible ingredients that you can produce on the farm. Like it's not like um, a machine operated. It's not a part of a computer. Or it's not part of anything. It's it's food that people need. To, you know, 
And um, we'll try and produce that to the best of our ability, like, and while working with nature at the same time. I mean, farmers are, I mean, the land is so important to us. You know, we don't, we don't want to see the land destroyed or we want to, you know, our environment, anything like that. But um, no, we are the caretakers, like. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you said that because I, I think, I think it, it's important that people understand that uh, you as farmers are indeed caretakers of the land. And it's, you know, the land is incredibly important in this country. And if we don't have you guys looking after it, then it, it won't be there for future generations. All of this talks into why you became this year's Quality Milk Award uh, winner. Uh, and and when, when we spoke about that, it, you, you talked about there being some sort of community pride around the award. How did that show itself? When you talk about text messages and phone calls, how did you feel that? Well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, yeah. Two things, I suppose, in the countryside, like, I mean, if you put yourself up there and portray yourself as being uh, on the top of this, you, you'll be brought down to a level very fast within the community. <laughs> but at the same time, when you do get up to the, climb that mountain, I suppose, and you do it kind of unconsciously, so you don't set out. We never set out to win this award, but when we were asked to do it, Mary um, and myself and Alex, obviously we were honoured, but it's the reaction of the people of the parish, I suppose, and the the number straight away we had to turn off the phone, we had to turn off the text. It took me about two days to get back to, and I'm sure I've missed people, just, just to thank them, you know, and everybody, people that met people will be sure to pass on the congrats and, you know, it's hard to describe it, but goose pumples in the back of your neck, like really, if you think about what the community have come in, you know, and I suppose thanked us for representing the parish and representing the community. Like, I, that means a lot, I suppose, in a small community. And what it says to me is that farming, uh, and your farm in particular, is very much at the heart of the community. And I guess if that's true where you are in County Limerick, then it's true all over Ireland. And quite clearly, what it says to me is that uh, very much farming, uh, and your farm in particular, is very much at the heart of the community. Um, and I guess if that's true where you are in County Limerick, then it's true all over Ireland. Uh, the one thing we forgot to mention this was the Kelly Co-op ethos as well. Like, I mean, they were the ones really that drove this as well. And I suppose they're involved, uh, the base is in the local town of Castle West. So that would nearly be community and they're all working local and they're all local guys. And I suppose... They were, we were nearly as thrilled for them and to win it as much as for ourselves. We were representing Kelly Co-op. Like, like they had a big part of playing this as well. You're absolutely right, Michael. We should not um, uh, forget the role that Kerry Co-op plays uh, and has played uh, in nominating you for the award and, uh, and ultimately giving you the opportunity to, to win it. Uh, and not just that, but the Environmental Award as well. So... Thank you very much indeed, Mary Isa, Michael, Alex, for talking to us today. It's been very, very interesting. And clearly the messages about learning new skill sets, about farm management, taking dairy farming uh, into the future are obviously very important. But, but most importantly, I think we have to congratulate the three of you uh, and everyone else involved uh, again on being this year's Kerrigold and National Dairy Council Quality Milk Awards winners, uh, well done.
Dairy Matters is produced by 4TC on behalf of the National Dairy Council.